0: I'm on
1: What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host Raul and Shu. Um, big, huge game last night. If you can tell, my voice is absolutely destroyed. Um, so we're gonna get in and talk a little bit about that. Duke with a big win over Carolina, 63-57. Um, coach gets his first one. Kind of felt like a little bit of revenge after last year. Um, atmosphere was just electric. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our experience at the game. We'll break down some of the, some of the things that we saw, what was happening, talk a little bit bigger picture. And then we'll go ahead and, and jump into Miami and Virginia. I mean, you know, no rest over here. It's right back to it. So, uh, let's start off shoot. Talk to me a little bit about the game, the atmosphere of leading up. So, just a little bit of a background. We get there about three hours, two and a half hours prior to tip. Me, Shu, and Cox um, walk down there. The tents had just gotten up. It was a rowdy scene. What's kind of
2: jumping right there, Shu? What was your first kind of impression? Yeah, I mean, as we're walking down uh, um, up to Kville, you know, you can hear the the students are chanting. You know, they're they're doing chants. Um, I can't say it. This is a clean podcast. Um, but if you caught my Facebook live, you could hear it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is three hours, you know, pretty much two and a half hours before tip. Um, so they were getting routed you could tell, you know, um, they've been at it all day. Um, first thing I noticed was, was the group of, uh, the students that had the, the doctor coats on the proctor doctors, um, the proctologist. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The proctologist. So, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, just every, everywhere you went around Cameron, you know, people were having a good time, uh, getting amped up, you know, having a couple drinks here and there. So, um, yeah, it was it was electric even outside, you know, like I said, three hours prior to tip. Yeah, I mean,
1: just well, you know, we, we as soon as we pull in, um, shout out to Cox again, great parking pass. So as soon as we pull in, Emil is right behind us. He's getting his shoes dropped off like he's getting fresh. So it's like, all right, we're already setting the stage. We walked down and like, yeah, I mean, those kids were getting swashed, you know, like it <laughs> was getting sloppy down there. Uh, it was really cool too, cause it reminded me of just undergrad and also reminded me of how far removed I am from that, maybe too, a little bit. Um, but yeah, just, you could just feel it, like just even like around campus, walking around, the whole buzz was there um it did not see you know there's been a lot of talk about is the rivalry dead or is it still going to look the same last night reaffirmed to me that it's very much not like it just felt nothing felt different it didn't feel like oh yeah there's no k there's no roy there's no whoever um the energy the atmosphere You know, obviously i haven't been to another one but like it just felt like this is what duke carolina is like it did not I didn't feel deflated or like I got cheated out of the experience, um, so that part was really cool. Um, anything else you want to talk about outside, and or you want to just go ahead and jump into pre-tip, walking in, getting in our seats?
2: I mean, we did run into Goodman. You know, we introduced ourselves that's true. Yeah, to, yeah. So. Yeah to our buddy hopefully he'll come back on the pod at some point
1: Yep, ran into jeff um you know he was kind of hanging out um over in the student union just kind of chilling getting some food did he recognize
0: Um, you guys because obviously he saw you on camera before so
1: yeah yeah we talked to him um for a second there and uh you know that was that was pretty cool um that again they were getting pretty sloshed down there too so we finally were like let's (laughs) just go ahead and make our way over there they're letting people in Um, you know, walked around for a little bit, got in our seats, shout out to Dean Moore for great seats. Um, you know, tons of people there. So the magic and the Hornets just played. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, is that Cole Anthony? And then I look over and there's Wendell, there's
0: Mark, there's Mason, um, Paolo, obviously. I was going to ask you, at what point did they move to the student section? (sighs) Was it like at the beginning of the game or I think they went over there pre tip and the like warm okay. up
1: stuff and then they came back, came back to like to their seat, like before the teams, you know, they come out, they go back and then they come back out. And I right. think it was in between there. Um that they were out there hanging out. Um yeah, tons of former players there. I don't even remember off the top of my head how many, but Ricky Price walked like right past us in the Hall of Fame. We were sitting there for a little bit. Um Kenny Denard was there. Cloud uh, yeah we saw McCloud, yeah um sean kelly shout out sean, to sean saw him right right as we were leaving a lot of people uh i didn't see any like celebrity type people or anything like that for this one but uh Yeah, the atmosphere was, was just as soon as I got in my seat, it was like an emotional kind of like spiritual kind of thing. Like I get in, I sit down and I think shoe popped out for a second to go use the bathroom or or grab something. And you're just kind of sitting there and I've been in Cameron probably 20 or 30 times before. And it's just different. It's just, the vibe is different. Um, everyone's kind of got like a buzz going about it. Like it's really hard to explain, um, I don't know. It was, it was emotional. Shu, what, what was your kind of like just, it was breathtaking almost, right? To get cliche with it, but it, it really felt heavy.
2: I mean, you know, for somebody that's watched this game for over 30 years now, and that's been, like I said, it's been the top of my list of things to do is I've always wanted to be in Cameron for that experience. Um, I've been in Cameron, like you said, uh, uh you know, 30 or 40 times. Um, no, nothing, anything close to that. I think. The 20 it should have been 2014. We played Virginia to, uh, to a, you know, down the, down to the wire game where Suleiman hit a three in the corner. And then I think Emil stole either Brogdon or Harris's like skip pass on um, to seal the game. And that game was loud, but, but this game, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it, you know, as we get into the, to the actual game. This game was, was loud. Yeah. Um, definitely
1: those, It was loud the entire time. There are a few walls, but it was loud the entire time. But that final 90 seconds, like you could audibly hear it, like hit another level, right? Like it just broke through this glass ceiling and it was just like my ears were just
0: ringing. I mean, it was was intense, man. Yeah, even like five minutes after the game when they're interviewing Shire and they're interviewing uh, Lively, it sounded it, what it reminded me of was the uh, 2005 game where we shut them down on that final possession and they're interviewing JJ courtside and he can't even hear the interviewer. So it was a little <laughs> bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was loud. People were kind
1: of, kind of staying in their seats for a minute, just kind of. So I know I was, I was like, I'm not in a hurry, really. Like, I just kind of want to feel it for a minute. Um, you know, you almost have to check yourself a little bit too. Cause like we get in there. We're there early we have like 20 minutes so you have the initial rush and then you're kind of sitting there watching some warm-ups and then as soon as the game starts like i, I should have been wearing like my fitbit or something i bet i was sitting there at like 140 you know beats per minute and just like exhausted sweaty and i look up and it's the first tv timeout and i look at shoot and i'm like whoa <laughs> i gotta minutes. pace myself here <laughs> like this is like five minutes in like hold up um imagine playing in that though you yeah, know that's the good, I, like, we're just watching it and like are amped up you know i get so much more respect for that right
0: like if i was like you got to go play in this game like that's
1: wow um
0: maybe they're a little bit more able to just focus on the basketball cuz it's just kind of right there in front of them um yeah what i wanted to ask was it seemed on tv like the crowd stayed really engaged even when we were down early and that impressed me cuz you know, we easily could have been taken out of it or the crowd could have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were, um, you know, that started out, what, 5 nothing, and then 7-2 and then they were just, you know, they kept going, kept going, kept going. Um, and then obviously, you know, it wasn't, it was a weird game, too, because it was like, you know, it's 63 to 57, but it didn't feel like that when we were there. To me, like, I woke up with four minutes left and I turn to shoot and I'm like, oh, we're about to be playing a game in the 50s. I wonder what people back home are like watching this on TV, like, oh, like this isn't. But it felt like it didn't feel like it was bad basketball being played. Like it was just every possession was so huge. Um, I thought both teams had a really great defensive game plan and I don't want to jump ahead too much, but um it, it just felt like a classic, which was obviously we wanted to win being our first one there, but uh it, it felt like a big one, you know, it felt. Yeah. And it,
2: and it seemed to like go by not quickly, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of whistles. It wasn't just being like, you know, Every 20 seconds, something we're stopping in action. Like the game kind of went through smoothly, um, which I was thankful for that. I, I enjoyed not, you know, having it barred up by whistles. I
0: think that helped, and I think just the overall pace. Like even though the score wasn't high, it was played at a good pace. And then of course the fact that uh, we kept having these ties and lead changes, you know, made every possession feel like super intense. Yeah, I mean, even watching it on TV, I had the same reaction. Uh, you know, I don't know what you guys felt, obviously, but I was surprised by the final score.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like every, every, not even just every
1: shot, like every sequence, every like even play within a play just felt so huge. Like every rebound, like because, you know, we we finish um, with Carolina playing on our side because we're just down there. Um and you know every time while would go up and get that that block that while had on caleb love like was right at us I I mean, almost hit the ball to us right on top of us uh and everything just felt like so so huge um you're just riding on every single thing and you know that's how that's how you want it to be though too when you're there right you just want to be in that moment Raul, did
2: did you did they i mean watching it did they give an explanation did you notice that so we went to the the media timeout. The under eight, but at eight thirty three, I don't think they said anything. No, they didn't yeah. say anything about it. Okay. Um. So apparently, one of the crazies got a little too crazy and uh vomited in the student section and was uh taken out and had to do a little clean up. So let's go ahead and get the four minute, you know, T V timeout to get the crew in there and get that cleared up. But um pre-gaming well, a
0: little too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: look, I I told Josh, I was like, you don't think about these kind of things when you're a kid or even to me be honest until I got to college, like those guys, they've been camping out, you know, waiting for this game. And so, you know, this morning comes around, you probably you know, going pretty hard in the paint here pre-gaming. and, and then, then they expect you to stand up and scream and jump and bounce around for two and a half hours. Like uh yeah, I could see how that could be a bad mix sometimes. On the subject of the crazies,
0: um what kind of like chance did you hear? I know I know there was some stuff going on, some extracurricular stuff about uh RJ Davis and Caleb Love and all that. I don't know if you want to get into that. Let's get into it right now, right <laughs> off the top. Um,
1: that was a uh, very interesting because I I didn't know all of that like coming into it. I just hadn't really looked at that stuff. Um, and there was a thread on the board. There was a thread it, on the board, but, yeah. but like there was there was a girl and like a, a few people sitting on the UNC side front row, um, right kind of below us, and I had saw that like you know. RJ was kind of talking to him a little bit. Roach was talking to him a little bit. Then RJ and Roach are talking to each other a little bit. Um, and, and they kind of kept kind of gravitating over there. Like Roach makes this huge play, I think to tie it up or to give us the lead at like 24, 23 or something. And he just yeah. looks right over there yeah. at him. With yeah. this like, <laughs> little, and then he kind yeah. of gets a little sly smile on, on his way back. And so yeah, See
0: on TV, I didn't know what that was. Cause you can only see his face. You yeah. can't see what he's looking at.
1: Yeah. And the crazies knew about all this stuff too. So they start chanting names. Um, and like, you know, I was looking at some of the stuff on the threads on the boards too. And apparently they were on the mark because as soon as they started doing it, they were like, you could tell by the, the UNC players reactions that like, oh yeah, we, we hit a little nerve. Um, so, you know, apparently, uh, apparently there's some dynamics going on in the UNC locker room where, you know, word on the street is, uh, Caleb Love might've stole his boy's girl and, uh,
2: Scotty you know, doesn't know.
1: Scotty <laughs> doesn't know, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's something they have in common with their coach, you know, shouts to Biggie. Yeah. Um, got a story to tell. Yeah. You know, apparently they don't sit together in class anymore and it's
0: created a kind of rip, which I mean, obviously it would create some kind of riff, uh, I mean, that but, kind uh, of explains, I mean, I don't think it's the only thing that explains your performance. You know, like we talked about, I think they were just a little overhyped to begin with and they haven't replaced Manic, but if you've got that kind of fracture in the locker room, that could explain a lot too. you yeah. know. And,
1: you know, apparently too, um, I don't she was at Utah Miss or who said this, that uh, I guess near the end of the game, um, you know, the Duke players kind of felt like really confident because he was like, these these UNC guys aren't talking to each other. Like they're not communicating on defense. Like we clear out, they're not going to rotate down. Like they're not. Yeah, that gonna, was
0: That was a quote from Roach actually. Yeah. Okay. He said he knew they were going to miscommunicate on it because they weren't talking all night yeah um so you know hey we'll take whatever we can get you know trouble in paradise
2: over there
1: karma you know karma but uh
2: yeah hell of an experience man hell of an experience i mean yeah my hands are still pretty red from like clapping as hard as i could and you know obviously our our voices haven't been the same today um just you know a lot of a lot of yelling, screaming at the top of your lungs, and clapping as hard as you can for for two and a half hours. Yeah, apologies
1: to some of the other people in section nine because uh, there were no kids around me. I did make sure, yeah, I was, like, yeah, no, no yeah. babies, <laughs> nothing like that. But there were some, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. I was getting fired up. I was calling some classic K bombs. <laughs> <here>. Yeah, <laughs> I had some words for love, and uh, you yeah. had some words for Hubert. Um, you know, so that's just that's part of it, right? That's that's just part of it. But uh, all right, y'all want to talk about the game, or we just want to. <laughs> yeah I can stay here for a while you know? so, <laughs> yeah. um you know it was uh, it was it was one of those things we're riding back and like we're just trying to consume every single bit of media possible like I'm refreshing the press conference like the aux cord isn't working like we're losing <laughs> our minds going down 85 <laughs> here um yeah it was, it was awesome but uh so let, let's get into it here um you know first half one point game super tight um you know, it, it back and forth that Carolina jumps out to that seven to two run. And I thought really early on, and we're going to talk kind of about our backcourt versus theirs first, but Roach just set a tone right then, Um, you know, love comes out and hits basically a 30 footer right in Tyrese's face to start the game. And you're, I'm, I looked right at shoe. and was like, you gotta be, you know, and right after that, they come back down, they, they get the next bucket Um, and it gets to like five, two or seven, two or whatever it was. And Roach just walks down and has this like walk up transition three and just buries it. And I thought that really, you know, it's still early. So maybe we come back anyway, but I thought that was just a tone, just a, just a veteran guy. That's like, nope, like that run ends right here. And, and it just carried every time Carolina would go on a run. It's like, we had an answer every single time. Um, and, you know, that's, that's veterans. I thought our backcourt just flat out outplayed theirs personally. I mean, um, you know, Roach has 20 points. Uh, Tyrese has 11, seven and five. And honestly, Tyrese could have had 20 if he wanted to. I thought, especially in the first half, there were like three easy ones that he missed when I was talking to Shoe, and I was like, I think he's just a little surprised at how easily they're giving up the rim to him. Cause he was like pulling up and it's like, wait, you don't okay. have to, you could just go. If you, like, they just, they gave him the rim. They were worried yeah. about the, the, the lob. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they did great on that. They took away, they sold out on the roll. They did. I don't think we did. Did we have a single lob attempt? I don't even think we had an, no. we had one, like, I guess you can call it an attempt, but it was a turnover late in the game. But, um, so, you know, they just decided that they were staying home on that. And I thought our guards really kind of recognized it. Um, You know, Tyrese in that first half, really just to use that the verve, right? Like that shot he hits um in the lane and then he comes back down and Flip kind of gets knocked down. And, you know, Tyrese just kind of uses the screen as like a decoy and just drills a three from the, the left wing there. Just a huge shot, big
0: time shot. Um, not yeah, to especially because he missed... He missed his first four shots, you know, and in a game like this, that could easily rattle you, especially like you said, since a, a couple of them were super easy shots that he should have made. He had that like, um, little floater that he just completely short armed, yep. you know, he's like two feet from the basket, basically not even yep. a floater, more of like a finger roll. Yeah. Um, he had a few of those push shots, yeah. I guess, or mm-hmm. you're going to
1: call them. Yeah. And then he like, he strong armed the finger roll, right? Cause he gets right. like back rim, but he didn't go yeah. glass. He just kind of went and it rolls out. Um, you know, credit to him for kind of keep attacking. I, I just thought, you know, coming in Davis and love were the two that really scared me of like, if those guys get going, they just really kind of change the dynamic of this team. And I thought we kind of dominated those guys. I mean, we were definitely due to outplay their backcourt. I don't, I don't know if we've actually outplayed that backcourt since they've been there. Now we beat them once, but I don't know if we've actually outplayed them that way.
0: Um, broach and Tyrese did. It's weird because, like, if you look at just the actual field goal percentage, it's not that different. Like, I think they shot like thirty percent each, um, but it's not like Roach was like insanely efficient. It's not like Proctor was insanely efficient. But if you were watching the game, it's clear that they outplayed them. Yeah, just in the way yeah. they were able to control things in the half court and and push the pace too. We got out a lot in transition off of uh, their misses. Yeah. And just what we were, like, forcing them into as well. Right, yeah. They yeah. took a lot of Tell. tough... Yeah, yeah, I didn't even touch
2: on the defense. Yeah. Like, a lot of one-footed runners and, and you know, just tough shots, um, keeping them from getting, you know, straight-line drives to the basket. I don't think, other than Caleb's attempt to dunk that, you know, lively blocked, like, RJ, I don't think, took anything straight at the basket. Everything was kind of like a, a pull-up or a floater, um, mid-range and threes. Yeah, I
0: felt like most of the shots they made were really hard too. Like, yeah, they did each make five shots, but I would say two or three of them for each of them were like very difficult, kind of hand in your face, falling away shots. Yep. Yep, and to their credit, they still almost
1: made those timely ones. Like, right. RJ hits that one to go, what, 50-49 or something like that? Yeah, that was um, Roach
2: was all over him for that, too. And just
1: buries it. And that's a tough it, shot, yeah. you know? Yeah. Love hits the 30-footer, basically, to start the game. Just tough shots, Um, you know? But I thought we did it. I thought our ball screen defense, and I don't know if this was Jay or, or John, this seemed like a collective thing that we just knew their sets. I mean, and the Carolina guys were even talking about that in their post game press conference of um, it just seemed like they knew what we were doing, what we wanted to do. And I think that's pretty much the best defensive compliment you can probably Mm -hmm. get is just saying that, oh, we were locked in. We knew the game plan. I mean, they're running like dual high staggered ball screens for love. I mean, they're not running off one. They're running off Pete and Baycott coming around and we're fighting I mean, we're not—we're switching on some of those, but Roach and Tyrese are coming around and still picking up their man. That's huge. Um, yeah, Tyrese fought his ass off. Some, I was super
2: proud so of him, dude. Screens.
0: Just yeah. huge, huge game. Um, and what he allows Roach to do. I thought our defense was a little, little shaky early. We were yeah. letting them get in the lane, but then once yeah. we tightened it up, you know, and that was kind of what allowed us to go ahead there. Yeah, and um, you know, and also. I, maybe what really allows
1: us to do that is just lively starting to showcase that, like, no, I got, I got Mondo. Right. Y'all do what you got to do. Like, cause we were doubling hard to kind of deny and force him to ball out. And eventually John just kind of trusted Derek to be like, no, that's, that's you, you got him. Um, we'll, we'll sag down on the catch, but you, you just keep him where we need him. And once that happened, it really kind of frees us up to stay home. Um, which was used and the guys that we didn't stay home on, you have to think that's in the scouting report, right? We're leaving Leakey in the corner. We're leaving Nance. Those guys are 30%, 32% from three. Nance has had some big games. um, Not this game. They, you know, you know, he, he looked a little shook, you know, a little mob deep in the house. he looked a little shook. I mean, that's just, I don't know. Um, We'll, we'll see, we'll see what he was, he's going to do going forward in the next game there. But the game plan clearly was these three guys were keying in on Nance and Leaky. If they beat you, they beat you. And we talked about that on the preview of if Leaky beats you, he beat you. And damn near almost did. You know, shout out to him of being ready to shoot. I mean, he hits three right in front of our face right there in the second half. And the one that he missed was he hits that, wide open. Yeah. They go up. I think one, it goes up one. Yeah. That's probably it might not be game, but it puts a, a tremendous amount of pressure on us to score. Now, we did go down and score, but it puts a lot of pressure to do so. Um, but, yeah, shout out to the or Anything else you guys got on Tyrese Roach in particular?
2: Just shout out to Jeremy for being a warrior. I mean, I know you know he wanted this. Um, so, you know, he came through and did what the captain does and, and got a big win. And I guess that's uh, the first time Caleb and R- RJ have lost and. Cameron so it was nice Mm. to uh to do that oh I I did want to talk about uh Jeremy since his
0: return from the toe injury um so it's he's played five games shooting splits of 47 percent 42 percent from three and averaging 15 points to assist so just been really efficient um you know low turnovers as well
2: yeah and I, and I think you've seen our offenses as a general in general has been a lot better since he's come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, we talked about it in the last pod, but just that
0: uh, shift in the backcourt roles has helped both him and Proctor tremendously. And then, you know, of course, any time off, he got to heal though. I did notice him grimace very early in the game. Did you guys see that? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was yeah.
1: grabbing, reaching for something. Um, I'm not sure exactly what
0: what that was. But. I was worried he jammed his toe or something, you know, but... Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, and but maybe if he did, he getting, did a great job playing through it. Yeah, or maybe he's got some protective
1: stuff on under the shoe and it kind of just gets, you know, knocked around. Um, We didn't mention this before we move on, The Roach and Tyrese both have seven rebounds. Everyone in our starting lineup has at least seven rebounds last night. That's... Yeah, Yeah. that's big time, especially when you got a guy in there that has 14 himself, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's pretty huge. So they're, they're, they're leaking down, they're grabbing those boards, um. you know, which really allows us to kind of push, which I guess we could talk about that a little bit of just, it's weird to have a game as low scoring as we did, but play as well as we did in transition. I just thought that we really, every opportunity that we got, it just seemed like we maximized it. Um, I think we had them like It was like 16 to zero or something in like transition points at one point. I don't know exactly what it finished, um, but usually that's their recipe, right? That's what's happening to us. Um, Instead, it's us kind of flipping the script, crushing them on the boards, crushing them in transition. I just thought our guards really kind of dictated that. And I know Roach took 20 shots. Um, it didn't feel like that watching it. In fact, I'm sitting there yelling to shoe that like I'm yelling for Roach to shoot that. Like I wanted yeah. him to shoot some of those. He's coming off those ball screens and RJ's just like disrespect. I'm like, dude, pull up, like shoot that three in his face. <laughs> um, he only takes two threes, which and we only take 11 as a team, which was fine. Um, for that game but uh yeah I I thought he could have shot it even more I think I would have been cool with that I think John would have been cool with that he plays all 40 minutes just just big time um from those two guys so shout out to that Blake's didn't really you know wasn't a game for him really I I don't know if he's still kind of coming off that that broken nose or or what is going on there but uh and maybe it's just because Roach and Tyrese are are playing so well that it, it didn't really feel like we could take either one of those guys off the court um not, not when you know that love and, and Davis are also going to try to play as much as they, much as they can. So, uh, you know, shout out to our backcourt. Roach also draws four fouls on RJ, which was pretty big. That really opens it up because those last two that he makes, RJ just can't even really defend him, especially that last one. You know, he, he's yeah. daring him to try to play defense because I'm coming right
0: at you. His second foul was big too, because it made uh, Hubert have to take him off the floor for a while. And that's kind of when we were able to. Really get back into the game. Not that we were down that much, but you know, while RJ was off the court, I believe is when we pushed to our first lead at 25, 24.
1: yeah And it was 24, yeah. 17 before yeah. that Carolina. And then we go yeah. on like an eight, oh, run, just
0: boom. Oh, and to answer your question, it was 20 to two in fast break points.
1: Okay. So the yeah. final. Yeah. So that, that, that plays out. Um, yeah, big time, big time on the backcourt. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit about the front court then. So, you know, again, that was another kind of area where we were kind of wondering who's going to guard who. I don't think any of our projections on our matchups really panned out the way we were thinking about doing it. Um, end up kind of with lively on Baycott, flip on Nance. Um, you know, flip really dominated that matchup and flip didn't even play great himself. But he played within what they were trying to allow him to do. He had some big, timely shots. His defense was absolutely incredible, I thought. Um, you know, he has three turnovers. Two of them were early. Two of them looked like they were fouls. I mean, you know, he's getting kind of armbarred there. He's getting kind of beat up down there. And he just kind of dribbles out of bounds. And that's they're going to call that a turnover. But, um, you know, I thought he really played extremely well on Nance. You know, Nance didn't get comfortable the whole game. You know, Baycott was a weird one because he still has this like really good game on paper, but it all seemed to happen in like a seven minute stretch. Like early on in the first half, I look over at shoe and I'm like, dude, this guy's got 10 and seven already and he hasn't touched the ball. But once all those other ones are just offensive boards and putbacks where he's just getting it and putting it back up. And then it kind of flips right there and Lively's just just neutralizes that the rest of the way. And that's gone. Um, yeah, because you know, he, he gets, finishes
0: with 14 and 10, so that means he had, what, you know, four points and th- three rebounds the rest of the way?
1: After that, yeah. After yeah. that, like, little segment, it was just, he he disappeared. Um, you know, so I thought our guys really rose to that challenge. Obviously, the talk has been about Lively, as it should be. Just one of the the all-time defensive performances in Cameron. I mean, just an to have eight blocks is Rickard. just... You know, just absurd. Um, and, and it's not just eight blocks. It was three or four of those is like at the apex at the yeah. rim. Like the one that he did on Nance is the reason Nance went one for 10 because he ended <laughs> that dude's life early in the first half. Like Nance comes in and he's just like, absolutely not, bro. And it seems like right after that, it was like, whoa. And okay. that's
0: probably, that's probably why they took 27 threes and stopped attacking the second half.
1: I mean, it was. It was big time and wildly in this post game. Um, you know, and we've said this a lot, but I'm going to keep saying it. What a great kid and a great teammate. I mean, he's talking in the post game of like, I just wanted to make sure my dudes knew that I had their back. Like you get beat. I got you. I'm back here. Um, and you could see that. And I thought that the, the like epitome of that is that love block that love beats flip. And Flip doesn't even try to go, like, he doesn't even try to, like, sidestep. He actually turns around and was like, I'll just come back over here and rotate back. He was already rotating back to almost help Lively. Now, Flip goes up to contest it, too. But to me, that's telling me, like, that's intentional. He's not trying to slide his feet or draw, like, a blocking chart. He just turns around and rotates back down and Lively just crushes him. I mean, just crushes him at the top. level. looked like he was like, I'm going to hammer this. This place is going to go pin drop, and and we're going to do this. Wobbly just was not not even having it. Um, just, you know, huge. And to get two or three, what, he had three shots, he missed the three, and then he got the two um, offensive rebound putbacks. To be that engaged, that locked in, as a 19-year-old that struggled, that's been the number one recruit, I think it just says a lot about his character. I don't know if y'all want to talk about that a little bit. I could probably just insert supporters for live all night, but watching it live was like, just what an impact. I don't know if I can remember seeing live, I didn't get to see Sheldon or Battier live, of a guy having that sort of just like individual impact on what the other team's doing. It was It was phenomenal.
0: Well, what's unique about him is he just does not care if he scores at all. I mean, he gets hyped up after a dunk or a putback, but you pass him the ball down in the post and He's just kicking it back out if the shot's not there. Um, you know, he's not calling for the ball. Like it seems like all he cares about is kind of doing the dirty work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He got that he got that one offensive rebound. I think Roach went up, tried to draw a foul on RJ and kind of uh short armed like a left handed layup, but yeah. he got the ball and instead of going back up and dunking, he kicks it out and Grandison Kansas right. huge yeah. three. Huge three. Yep. I'm glad you brought that one up. That kind of
0: exemplified it because he was, if he turned around, he was open. Oh yeah. He could have just went up and dunked it, but we got a three out of it. Three is worth more than two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially off those offensive
1: rebounds. That's like when you always want to try to get that three, right? It's just a walk up, a wide open look. Um, And both of his point or both of his baskets that he made, Duke's down one, I believe. Right. Or does the second one where we down one or was it tied? I don't remember. remember, Yeah the first one it, we were down one and I think we, that he makes that and it, it goes to 51 50, right? Cause it's, we're up to RJ hits the three to put them up one. And then we come down, he gets the offensive rebound dunk. That's with like nine minutes left. And then he gets the next one, you know, obviously towards the end of the game. Um, just, just big time, just big time. Um, you know, Baycott and Nance, I think I saw something where they played over 300 college games combined. Or something or like real close to that. And you got a dude that's played what, how many games have wildly played now? Probably 15 or 16 or maybe like maybe 17 or 18. Wild, wild yeah. to just show up and like, you know, he, he, he gave them all they wanted and it wasn't offensive, but it was, it was just really incredible to watch that live, to see it, you know, I watch it on TV. Um, but I was watching him just like sometimes I wouldn't even watch the ball. I'm just watching lively about th- like midway through the second half. Cause what he's doing is just, he's talking nonstop, just a constant motor. He's pointing. Um, he's just always seemed to be in the right place and he didn't foul. You know, that was, I think that was really the only thing that really separated him um, in this game is that he was allowed to play. So he plays 34 minutes and he has eight blocks and 14 rebounds. Well, he's had, Five blocks and nine rebounds in like 18 or 21 minutes, like multiple times this year. So we literally j- I mean, he's been doing this, but this is the impact he can have over 40 minutes, I think, which is just, you know, um, just a- absurd, right? I mean, the dude's got almost a 16 percent block rate. And if you're not really sure with, I mean, basically, if you think about it of every time he's on the court, anytime a two-point shot gets attempted, there's a 16 percent chance he's blocking it.
0: That's ridiculous yeah to put that in kind of historical perspective for duke um mark williams i believe has the second best block rate and that was 11 percent. so a massive gap there and sheldon williams the leading shot blocker in duke history is like eight percent yeah wow yeah
1: so um just just big time from the backcourt and the frontcourt um you know i kind of ranted there a little bit. Anything y'all want to touch on in particular about what you saw from either Flip, D Live or Nance or uh um like I did think Washington he came in and kind of was doing a little bit of stuff, but he didn't play much and Young didn't play much. I don't know if y'all want to talk about, you know, Ryan Young in this game at all.
2: I mean, it wasn't really a game for Ryan uh, unfortunately. Which is weird, man. We all yeah. sat here
1: and talked about how it would should be.
2: Yeah, you I would have thought that you know, he was going to be able to to bang with Baycott and, you know, use some of his crafty footwork. But I mean, you saw the first, first chance he got he tried to back him down, dribbled it off his leg. Baycott was already in his ear. Um, and then I think they, they made a couple of those like pick and roll, uh, plays where they just kind of ate us up with young end. I know he got switched out on the love in the second half for a half second and love sprayed him with a three. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, winning his night.
0: Well, do we want to consider um, Mitchell a member of the front court? Because uh, that's kind of an interesting thing, the fact that he guarded uh, Leaky Black um, and that he just played way off of him and dared him to shoot. And it almost kind of bit us. But we talked about that you know, in the previous podcast about how that should be a strategy. But I don't think any of us foresaw um, Shire putting Mitchell on Black and kind of right. letting him roam off. We were thinking... Oh, we'll put Roach on black or something like that and put Mitchell on their best, you know, perimeter player. But I thought that was a really interesting strategy because it allowed him to kind of, you know, double the post, you know, fairly frequently. Um, it allowed him to switch on to some perimeter players a few times. He 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 was switched on to love once and did a really great job shutting him down. Yep. So it just gave him a lot more uh flexibility defensively than he would have had otherwise. So interesting and effective game plan by Shire and uh Jay Lucas. Yeah,
1: and it's hard to, if you're just looking at it, you might would be like, well, Leaky kind of outplayed him. But like if the the game plan is to make Leaky outplay us, right? Because mm. what Leaky can do is he can stand over there and hit and knock down some of those open threes. But what he can't do is start to get going and bring the ball up and just recreate their entire offense, right? Like that's what Love and RJ can do. They hit three wide open threes, you leave them wide open, they can just come down and just start hunting. Leaky's not that guy, right? He's not creating anything for himself. So it's all by design. Um, and yeah, you know, I thought I thought Mark did a, did a hell of a job on him. And I thought I don't I think Mark's been probably our best defender all year, other than what Lively is doing recently, just because those are that level of impact is just ridiculous. Um, but Mark can pretty much guard anyone, right? We're throwing him on Leaky, we threw him on the kid from Purdue um it it doesn't really seem to matter you know we put him on guards against miami and he just always seems to have a positive impact on that side of the four um offensively didn't do a whole lot but he doesn't he didn't really draw anything up um you know and i'd like to hear what your thoughts on this role or, or shoot i haven't looked at it but why aren't we finding him in for corner threes anymore that was like a huge thing for like the first 15 games of the season and it seems like How many threes has he shot over the last five games? I don't even know, but it just seems like he's not shooting them at all anymore. At all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the only ones I can remember him taking have been like these awkward off the dribble wing threes. Yeah. Which have no chance of going in because of his form. He has to be set and he has, it has to be a catch and shoot. Yeah, and he was at like 40-something
1: percent, like 44 or 45 percent for a while, only taking corner threes. Now he's still at 39, which is really good. Right, because
0: he's attempted like four or three since then. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the offense in general seems to have sort of shifted away from him for whatever reason. That's true. Yeah, I mean, to come back to Leaky Black, you allow Leaky Black to get up 10 shots and score 13 points. So that RJ Davis and Caleb Love don't score 30 each. Right. Right. You make that happen. You're, it's a trade off, right? And it's a, it's a, a positive trade off, one that you win. Yep. Because those like that. Yeah.
1: And I guess that's what I was trying to say is those points aren't equal. Right. Right. Like 10 points in a, you know, or three threes in five minutes for Leaky Black. Isn't equal to three threes in five minutes for Caleb Love because then what happens the next 10 minutes? Caleb goes for another twenty, right. whereas Leaky is still dependent on you leaving him open in this corner and his guy finding him. That's how he's gonna get those. So I thought, you know, um I thought we left Nance open a little bit kind of late in the game. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. ooh, I don't know if we want to leave him that open out there. Um, but by that point he was already shook, I
0: guess, and it didn't matter. But, you know, um, uh, yeah, that was a little risky. I'd like to not do that at UNC. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he'll hit them there. I mean, cause he's not a bad shooter. You know, he's, he's not yeah. manic, but he's not a bad shooter. Yeah. Let's,
1: I know we have a few other things down here, to, but before we do that, let's talk about the coaching battle for just a second. W- what did y'all make of that? I know like, you know, for me, um, watching it live. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, dude, John is destroying you, Hubert. Like, (laughs) obviously, it's a six-point win, but when you, I think, factor in where these teams are at, where they were predicted to be, who has what, who's done what, the experience factor, I just thought John might have had his best game on the sidelines, just game plan-wise. And I don't know if y'all noticed this. I need to go back and look. Um I think Hubert ran one out of bounds play. If it was a baseline out of bounds play, he ran the same thing every single time. And we pretty, it, we seemed to blow it up or defend it well every single time, except for the one that Nance, Nance hits, hit.
2: Yeah. That's but that's a what
1: the jumper with Mark right in his face. But they were yeah. just trying this little like over the top to try to catch high post and go right to the rim. And it was like, wow, well, they might have got three blocks just for them trying that over and over. I mean, yeah. we, we knew exactly what we were doing and i think that's credit to obviously it's credit to the players because you have to actually then go out and do it um i don't know i thought i thought we were just the game plan on john's part was just phenomenal i mean you make them shoot 27 threes you just completely deny the middle all night shouts to shire man
2: yeah and i don't know how much of that's again like we said for jay because you know jay's supposedly kind of handling the defensive stuff um but either way you know the the entire staff yeah even if it is to, jay shouts to shire
1: for allowing jay to do what he's doing best and like where's this dude been <laughs> yeah you know where where was he at last year when we had dudes hanging 90 on us in here like p- keep bringing him in whatever like at some point you still get credit for i guess trusting that guy you know and letting him be the guy
0: to to instigate that um you know he's still the one john's still the one making the uh you know, substitutions and the yeah. rotation decisions. You know, he's still the
2: one who went away from young and stuck with lively. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, to, to have lively played 35, to trust Roach for all 40. Um, Grandison was huge down the stretch. I think I think he subbed Grandison in for Mitchell and I thought that was a smart move because, you know, as Josh and I said earlier, like those last couple of minutes were were deafening, loud. Um and so you switch out a, a you know a freshman for a fifth year senior, just to uh, you know Mitchell wasn't giving us a lot on offense, and not that Grandison had either. But if you're not either looking to score, you know who's going to be more uh, trustworthy with the ball and and stable? And I would go with the vet on that end. So yeah, I I thought John did a great job with his with his rotations and substitutions. And then and, you know those final couple seconds when we you know we had some fouls to give, so we were just. You know, keeping them from from setting something up by, by fouling, um, to get the the clock down a little bit more too. Yeah, John mentioned that in his press
0: conference, um, about how he was proud of the team for executing something as simple as that late the fouling, and how in previous games we might not have done that. Yeah, yeah, huge. Um, and if you look at it that way, it kind of
1: made me think you when you said that. Of uh, if we look at kind of the starting four and then kind of Mitchell and Grandison like morphed as into like one role, one player, then you get 12 points from that role. You get eight rebounds, you get two assists and you only have two turnovers between those two guys. That's you, you take that, that steady. And I thought when, you know, Mark only has two baskets, but he had two pretty big baskets too. like it right in that beginning of the first half, he gets the kind of like over and under, um, I think it was an and one, yeah, yeah. um, you know, and that put, we were able to push 40, we went up six and it almost felt like I was kind of hoping right here, like, dude, we could run away. Like we could, we could get this yeah. and then naturally, what do we do? We give up a 10, run or whatever it was. <laughs> right. And yeah. It's 45, 44. Um, but, you know, he stayed ready and he, and the good thing about Mark too, is he's never going to like lose us a game with his offense. Right. He's not going to go out there and just be like, okay, it's my turn. I'm getting my 12 shots up. He takes his five shots they were all pretty good shots two for three from the line he's rebounding playing defense um you know he played his role played
0: his role yeah so yeah
1: i think the only other point i have for coaching wise is that there's been a lot of talk about um from fans of wanting to see shire be more emotional wanting to see him talk to ref that dude was fired up live and so maybe mm-hmm. I'm just missing some stuff like commercials and TV timeouts and the angles. I was watching him pretty close. If that was emotional to me, I mean, he was like in their ear, especially late when that ball goes off Baycott. I think it was, and they give yep. Carolina the ball. He, he lost yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, and Wively had made a block and was coming back down, and it was like. It reminded me of like that vintage moment when, um, this is just a random out of the hat here, when Duke's playing Ohio State in 2013. Kay calls a timeout and Mason comes back and Kay just like jumps and bear hugs him basically. Like John was hyping Derek up. They were really firing each other up. I love seeing stuff like that. That dude was emotional. I mean, he was competitive. He was wanting to win big time moment for him. Um, you know, I think that narrative is going to be there just because of how he shows it a little bit. But watching it live, there's no doubt in my mind that that's how he's doing it and that he's doing it at a high level. So um that was kind of cool to see, too. I don't know. Shu, did you were you paying attention
2: to oh, a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I definitely during that. Yeah. During that moment, like you said, in that uh, he was, you know, you could see him tell there's no way, you know, basically there's no way he's shaking his head. Um I mean, he he knew he wasn't going
0: to get a tech right considering right. that hubert davis didn't get a tech for much worse in the first half and hubert could have got a tech a few times like he was livid there for a while but
1: uh you know i think hubert did make sure to to mention that um carolina wins when they shoot more free throws about six times in this press conference i think right. the number is they've shot 150 more free throws than their opponents and i don't know if that's a a bragging stat or if that speaks to why you were winning games um, you know, he was pretty upset that they only shot three free throws, which you know, Bayheim, you don't need any news to put Bayham in the news. He does that for himself. But I'm sure he was also pretty curious of how they only shot three free throws and you shot 30 yeah. playing a zone. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's designed for you not to shoot free throws. So, um, you know, when it's five on five, maybe we are the better team. We'll see. We'll see. We got one more to go with them. But uh, you know, I, I just thought, you know, overall it was a big time game. It was cool for us to beat them in what in my opinion was like the traditional Carolina, like way to win of you win the fast break and transition points and you dominate the glass. And we did both of those things against them. I mean, they didn't honestly, the transition defense, I didn't even recognize it in real time. I don't think, but it was just phenomenal. And it's really cool. Also seeing Wendell and Paolo sitting over there, like after Lively's block. was bought, but get back, get back. They're just yeah.
0: ingrained with that. Um You know, it meant something, uh, a little bit more to Paolo just after last year. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you see him after the game, there's some footage of him just like sprinting back into the locker room with a team to celebrate. So I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then goes out and dominates
1: against the the Hornets too. Right. I think he had like 28 and five or 25, like he, you know, did his thing. there right, too. Yeah. Um, so that, that was always cool to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anything else that we haven't talked on that I know we've kind of jumped around a little bit, which was the nature of this pod because we were both there and it you know have to bring that that atmosphere in here.
2: Anything that we didn't hit on that you think Role, is worth mentioning? Roll watching it on TV. Did you notice like Flip and Nance getting like a little chippy with one another? Because I know at one point, like Nance had not like Flip was on the ground a couple of times in this game but he had knocked him down at one point. I think it was when Proctor hit that three. And then uh, when they come back down that said you know kind of gave flip an arm bar and he just smacked his arm like (laughs) as hard as he could like i did see that actually yeah okay and then the next possession flip just we get out in transition
1: right and that's when flips just like driving at his chest and they whistle that it's a blocking foul and flips like no i'm going meet me at the rim and they're like they're like whistling like three or four times so like (laughs) you know
2: the play's dead and it's like no i'm not here it ain't (laughs) how worried were you when uh flip was on the ground there after the lively block, when Flip went down and was,
0: yeah, he, he got he got like a, I think he got hit in the sternum or something. I, I couldn't tell because he's like clutching his arm, arm, yeah, yeah. He I, was it, down for a while.
1: Yeah, I thought it was his wrist, and I was, I like, it was oh his god, wrist, yeah. if he came down that high. But then I saw the replay, and it's his elbow that I, was yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah, kind yeah, of like funny boned it right. a little bit, and then it's like okay, cool. Like, and as soon as he ran back, I was like okay, yeah, this dude yeah, is he, good. He's fine. Um, yeah. But initially, I thought it was his wrist, which would have been on his shooting hand, which. Would have been nightmarish, (laughs) Um, but yeah, was
0: was was a little nervous for that one for sure. I mean, before we move on to like to preview the next couple games, just kind of wanted to like talk about you know Duke's sort of overall progress. Like, if you go back and look since the Pitt game, we're like 21st on Bart Torvik. But if you go back and look just since the Miami game, we're 13th. And if you go and just look at the last three games, we're fifth. So I think that's kind of confirming everything that we felt about trending in the right direction. And I know three games is a small sample size, but we have the number four defense in that stretch. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) that's It shows, right? It shows, right? Like When you think about this game, you think about the Georgia tech game, like, like, I mean, obviously the big, the big change there has been lively, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, starting with Georgia tech, right. That's what we said last pod of like, he was just phenomenal. Um, and even against Wake, you know, the final score, if you look at it, but it's like if you go back and think, well, oh, yeah, we were up 14, right? It's like 68 to 54, and then they just kind of go on that 12 nothing run or whatever. Um, we were on pace to hold them probably in the 60s. And I think I saw a stat or something, too, about we've held teams to their lowest scoring out. We've held like nine teams to their yep. lowest scoring output of the season, which is, um, you know, pretty incredible. And, it, you know, usually I'm a big Kind of numbers guy when it comes to defensive stuff, but it just feels like we are better than the twenty eighth best defense. I mean, the eye test, just and the scores. I know the pace you have to, in the tempo you adjust for that a little bit, but um, I I don't know if there's ten better teams defensively than us right now. Definitely not with Lively doing what he's doing. Well, that's what I was gonna say.
2: Yeah, if with with the Lively that we've had over the last three three weeks, um, that's what's kind of got me excited about. When hopefully we get Dariek back sometime soon, and we just you know keep taking these steps forward,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Dariek
2: could inject a little bit more offense because our
0: offense still struggles at times. You know, yeah. even over this last stretch of three games when we're uh, fifth in the country, I think our offense has been seventy fourth. So you yeah, okay. know, go figure. It's, yeah. it's our it's our defense that's elevating us. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's I think what it is for me is just how fundamentally sound the defense looks like we've had much better defensive teams in recent years, but you know, even if they were rated top 10 on Ken Palm, it was hard to believe that they were really a top 10 defense. Cause they felt just like they were hanging by a thread because mm-hmm. you have these players like 25 feet out from the basket, you know, scrambling at all times. And, you know, some of them were able to do that because of, you know, extreme effort or athleticism. But, this defense just feels to me more sustainable. It feels more real. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not um, constantly worried about getting backdoor cut or getting, you know, burned over and over on ball screens. Yeah. I think that to me, that's the most refreshing thing
1: is like, I had just gotten so jaded with ball screen defense for a while. And I was like, "It." it, it I know it's the hardest play to guard, but like there has to be a better way. There has to be a different method. Um and it looks like kind of Chir- or Jay has kind of said, no, this is how we're going to do it. And we're just going to stick. If we get burned on it, we're going to just keep sticking
2: with it because this is what we believe is the way to defend it. And it
1: definitely. And they, only had,
2: they only had like one to my room, you know, what I remember one really easy basket. And that was the, the leaky black when he, when he went by Mart for a dunk and it was really flip. I think flip and lively. One of the, you know, the, Key components when you're playing defense, you got to see your, see the ball and see your man. And neither of them were looking at the ball. Yeah. They're concentrating on their man and neither of them rotated over. So it was no help given. And once he, you know, beat, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Mark on the perimeter, he got by him and just, yeah. you know. it was Mark on both of them. Um,
1: well, one on Leaky, one for Caleb. And I think the one on Leaky, he got lost and he didn't realize who had caught it because right after he catches it and he comes all the way right and Leaky goes by and dunks it and he turns and he kind of looks at John and he's like you know he gives yeah. a look basically saying like damn I didn't know that was Leaky right like I thought that was RJ or I, I think he was thinking it was a guy but like oh no I need to get out here and I think John sure. was like whoa dude like just S- stay, stay low just yeah. give him that don't give him the rim just give him yeah. that um and you know just you know just proud of the guys really you know that's a that's a heck of a game um heck of a a moment for us to to get those guys and say you know cameron's not your house right it's, it's still ours like you had last year but it's a new era now um hopefully you know john can continue to do that and uh, be nice to go ahead and finish this thing out at home and just go ahead and just let's stay undefeated at home um that'd be a great recipe i know we're projected now to finish 13 and 7 which to me is almost kind of like a little bit pessimistic right now. And we'll see what we'll do over this next, these next two games. But if we split there, um, you gotta think we're set up for, for a push here, you know, and all the things considered, if we hold on weight against Clemson and don't kind of flub that up, we're in first place right now, (laughs) which is kind of wild, but, um, You know, it's, it's go time. And, you know, we mentioned that we don't get a whole lot of rest. We got a quick turnaround. The guys are already on the plane down there. Turn right back around tomorrow night and we go play at Miami. And then you come back home and we do get a little bit of a break. And then Saturday we go to Virginia. To me, instead of having Tuesday through Friday off, it would have been so much nicer to at least get this Miami game pushed to Tuesday, preferably Wednesday, but you know what are you going to do I mean, we're not the only team that gets they get screwed like that but um it, it makes it tough it, it's a really tough to to turn right back around off of this game um to to go back down there in Coral Gables a team we've already beat so they're going to come in ready hungry they're they're going to want that they just beat Clemson
2: i believe right Clemson they beat yep. Clemson Saturday yep. Saturday um, yeah And little john you know so they so you know they got a quick turnaround they've traveled but, um, but they're going back home so they're That's going true home to get.
1: Yeah, they're going back home with that kind of revenge kind of taste a little bit too. So, you know, I think Kim Pom has a what's a 2-point Miami victory right now projected. Um, you know, we we played them not that long ago, you know, a couple of weeks ago, not even. We beat them 2. by 20. 2. Yeah, 68-66. Yeah. So, um I guess he's kind of just saying that that's going to flip around a little bit, but you know, obviously I, I doubt Wong's going to be as awful as he was in <laughs> and, and Cameron. I mean, he was he had some shots of weight, but, he, you know, he was just not himself. Um we'll, we'll see. I mean, they still shot almost 50% from three in Cameron. So, you know, I mean, it's not like they just did nothing. So I think we saw a little bit of what they're going to do. But, um, you know, Derek Lively a different player now for us as well. So, you know, we'll see. And he had five blocks in that game, too. So, you know, we're, we're going to need him. I don't know about deree I've seen some rumblings and some, you know, game time decision just based on what I've seen so far. I wouldn't expect him to play not with a five day break coming right after that. It just seems much more natural to, to integrate him there. Unless some guys are banged up, you know, if flips a little banged up. If Roach needs kind of some rest, um, maybe he just plays out of necessity in that regard.
2: But I mean, you Uh, and I saw Dariq warming up. He's Um, dunking. Yeah, um, yeah, he's windmilling, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was in in the, I guess, the prior, like the, when they come out and warm up, you know, 40 minutes before tip-off, they're going to come out and warm up and then go back in. You know, by the time they came back out for the second warm-up, he was in street clothes, but he was, you know, out there for for a minute. And like you said, look, look fluid enough. Now, you know, John will talk about we need to make sure he's in game shape. So there's that also. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I just think if you're you know, if you're gonna
0: play him against Miami, you would have against UNC. Just sure, those yeah. two games are too close together. Why not just give them an extra five days of rest? Yeah. I, I think you're just fighting like human nature with this one. Duke's entire focus for the week has been on UNC. They get this huge win. It's kind of an emotional catharsis. Now you're asking them to within forty eight hours be ready to play a team they already beat. And take them as seriously as they really need to. Yeah, You know, it's something that John has talked about a long like a lot this season, you know, after
1: losing to Wake Forest. And it's like, you know, you gotta be ready to go beat Florida State and then you lose to NC State. And it's like you gotta be ready to, you know, to keep doing this. Um, you know, I, I just don't think it's that easy to, you know, to learn that lesson and not coming off of this game, too. Like this is a huge game. Um and then you have that short turnaround. I mean, you know, I could see it in a way almost being easier to say, okay, I don't have to reset and then go to two days of practice and learn a new thing. It's like, nope, just carry this momentum and we're just play us, right? Like we're not going to do a whole lot of scouting on them. We're going to try to run our stuff and maybe that works. But um, well, Miami's going to make adjustments. They're going to no, make where adjustments. Where is a really good coach, um, so they're going to be ready to play. It's going to be extremely tough. And then you know, like we said, it doesn't get easier. Then we go back to the road next weekend, Saturday, and we go up to Virginia, you know, and, and we get to go up there for the first time and only time we play them. Now, they just got beat. They just lost to Virginia Tech on the road, who is quietly starting to put together a pretty good resume. Uh, then they got they got NC State in the middle of the week on Tuesday, back at home, and then they're just ready for us sitting there waiting on us and. You know, right now they're the best team in the conference from a Kimpong perspective, a rating perspective. Uh, they're not quite as dominant as they have been over the last several years. They're still very similar in terms that they're going to play slow, very slow. Um, they're going, You know, they're offensively a little bit more potent than maybe they have been previously, but they're much more susceptible defensively. I think no, they're still good defensively, um, just not historical in that yeah, regard. Yeah, what are they, like 26
0: or something like that in that
1: range? Yeah, and they're only the third best defensive team in conference. Right. So, you know, yeah, they're 26 nationally. Um, you know, so it, it's it's very winnable. You know, it's very winnable, but it's just a, a tough stretch for us. Um I think Kim Palm has them, what, winning by five or something like that. So he's kind of seeing that kind of play out. Um, for y'all, you know, you don't, we won't, we won't do predictions like Miami and Virginia, but what do you see kind of playing out over this, this week stretch? Are you really optimistic on a two and oh, are you looking for a one and one? You're oh, and two. Kind of where are we sitting here, she sure, I went to you last time first, so we'll go to you first time
0: for this prediction here what, what do you got for us? Yeah, I feel like one in one. I'd be pretty happy with that, honestly, you know, going into the season, I circled I circled this three game stretch as our hardest stretch, and I thought Miami was kind of almost a built in loss, so I'm not expecting us to win that one, and if we did, I'd be super impressed. I actually give us a better chance of winning at UVA, even though UVA is technically the better team. So yeah, I think I'll go with that of, I think we drop Miami and I, it's just the human nature factor of it. And then I think we find a way to win at UVA, even though it is a tough matchup for us, just because of the way they collapse the paint and the fact that we want to score in the paint. But yeah, you know, maybe Roach gets hot from three or something like that. You know, we find a way to pull it out. Yeah. We need Roach to
1: take the he's he took the the love RJ kind of matchup personally. Now it's time to take the Kihei matchup a little personally, right? Because that dude's kinda kinda worked us a little bit over the years. I feel Um, a little bit better about the way we'll defend him than uh last year. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah. We couldn't have done a much worse job. But uh Shu, what do you what are you looking at here? See it any different?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with Ro. I think just the the mental exhaustion from that game last night, turning around and and you know have to put another forty together in Coral Gables. It's always been tough for us down there. Um, that's going to be a tough one. So I, I'm optimistic that we go one and one. I think I, I like our matchups in the UVA game. Um, so if if we're going to see this kind of lively lively versus Shadrick, um, Flip and Gardner going at it, um, I guess it's. I'm guessing we'll put Mitchell on Beekman uh, you know um mm-hmm. so I, I think we can we can still one in Charlottesville so I'm I'm going to go optimistic and go one and one okay um I kind of see it similar in that I'm thinking
1: one and one my what, what I'm getting hung up on um is I'm a little bit more confident about the Miami game for some reason, and I think it's just because of it is such a quick turnaround that maybe there's less of like time to to come off that wave of UNC and just hopefully we just ride it one more. But then I can't see us. But the, on the flip side of that is I think we might match up a little bit better with Virginia and just historically of how we we are going to have the preparation. But I can't see us winning both of those. I mean, I could see us, but. Realistically, I'm not gonna predict us to just go two and oh on our toughest two road games after being what three and four on the road or whatever yep. <laughs> it is prior to that. Um you know, I think we are a different team and I think we can lose and still I can still feel as good as I feel about us right now. Um, you know, we could go 0 and two, and I don't think it's the the world is falling as long as you come back home and beat Notre Dame, you gotta do that. But <sighs> So it's tough. I'll go one and one, and I think we beat Miami um, and then kind of get a little humbled against Virginia. The wave kind of crashes a little bit finally there, Um which is still tough because I, I don't think I've ever predicted us to lose to Virginia under K. It was just a matchup that I just always felt on the sideline and the game plan, and he was just going to put the ball in our best ISO guy, and that's going to crush your defense because it's just predicated on denying post and the way that they play. You put a Tatum out there. You let Apollo go to work. You let some of those other guys that we've had just one on one dominate their matchup. A Zion, a RJ. We don't have that with this team, really. And so I think the way that we play, getting a lot of assists, a lot of the ball movement inside out, it, it just bleeds into exactly what Virginia wants you to do. And it's going to be tough. I don't. I think for us to be able to run our stuff and not do it in a way that like is just playing right into their their game plan. So
2: well. On the on the flip side, I mean, I could see, you know, in my eyes, if we played the way we did at Georgia Tech, like if they're going to double to, you know, double the post, like post to post doubles, and you've got Lively with the ball, he's got that great passing ability where he can just, you know, shovel pass it over to Flip. Gardner's not very big as the power forward, you know, Flip ought to be able to have a field day with that, even if it's Young and Flip or you know Lively and. And flip, or Lively and, and even Mitchell sometimes play in the four. I think we've got a a pretty good advantage there.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I I think the one thing though that when I'm when I'm trying to like okay, what's going to be the difference maker is I'm looking at the Georgia Tech, I'm looking at Carolina, and I just don't see any transition points like that coming against Virginia to really kind of like give us another look, another lift. And if they take that away, and we're forced to play only in the half court, half court, yeah. that offense gets. Ooh, you know, it gets pretty murky
0: at times. Um, but- that's why I was kind of saying that I was I was imagining us beating them by hitting some threes. Yeah. Because you know, that's kind of traditionally what's taken us over the top with them. You know, uh, just the unexpected three-point production, like from RJ hit like how five, many? Five, was, five, five or, or five six or something. Yeah, yeah
2: he was, I think um, it was five and five.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Tatum in the second half out yep. there. Um, you know, so I could see something like that flip will be able to shoot over the top. you know, I yeah. could see Roach hitting some threes. and so to me that's almost the path to success because there's always that soft spot in their defense and continuing to not give up and limit their
1: threes right because that's the one thing that they yeah. do do really well is shoot the three. um mm-hmm. you know, as a team in conference, they're shooting over thirty eight percent, which is you got to be careful, especially if that hits volume. you know, now if you're shooting thirty eight percent and you're taking twelve or thirteen that's not going to kill you. If you're shooting 38% and you're taking 20 plus, that's going to kill you. Um, so that's something that I hope that maybe we can kind of limit a little bit. Um, The other thing is, I guess, if you want to convince me, you know, you're just talking, roll, you're just talking about how they don't have any size. We could just obliterate them on the offensive boards and play gross and just somehow still win, you know, that, that could totally happen too. Well, I guess Shadrick is uh, not that he's small. I think he's a I don't know he's six eleven. He's eleven. The, the other they, and then Vanderplass is six eight, and yeah. everyone else is six eight that plays. So, you know, I guess you know you get some of these guys way down here on the bottom of the depth chart, but they have a seven footer and another six eight guy. But it looks like they don't really play a ton. Um, so, you know, have a size advantage for sure. I mean, we have a size advantage of
0: everyone play. We're the tallest team in the country. Yeah. Know, so. <laughs> There's well, that, as, but... as usual, they're a pretty good defensive rebounding team. That's something they've always done well. But I will say that they're not quite at the level that they have been. You know, there have been years where they're like top 10 in the country in defensive rebounding. This year, they're mm-hmm. 53rd. So we've seen Duke out-rebound teams kind of in that range. So it could definitely happen. Yeah, was not Carolina? What, like 23rd or something? They? Yeah, yeah. Carolina's a yeah. better rebounding team than them.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, got to take care of the ball. 'Cause they're yeah. gonna try to force turnovers and they don't turn the ball over. And so that's gonna you know, we kind of can get a little bit sloppy in that regard. Yeah, so with limited overpass, possessions. Yeah, yeah with limited overpass. possessions, you can't yeah, you yeah. can't be sloppy with the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, so that'll be a that'll be something to keep an eye on. But you know, against against Carolina, we have eleven turnovers. Um But none of them are really killers. It didn't feel like. So, you know, if we can stay in that, like, you know, under 10 would be nice, but we can't get into that 15, 17, 18, 19 range. Um, not in a game where you're lucky to get 50 plus possessions, right? Like it's just going to be a dogfight, but, uh, you know, we'll see. So it sounds like we all have us kind of at one and one, um, on the week. So, you know, two and 0 would be, two and 0 would be fantastic. Two and o puts us probably as a three top three seed looking like in the tournament, right? And and the driver's seat maybe to win the ACC regular season, which would just be phenomenal. Um and 2 obviously would be a little disappointing riding off the Carolina win. Um, you know, that that would kind of drop us back to to eight and six, and conference was needing some work to do, but if we can split these, the schedule really starts to kind of favor and open up to us a little bit. Now I'll say that and we'll go woo's to Syracuse and Virginia <laughs> Tech again or something. But, you know, you got Notre Dame at home, you go on the road to Cuse, you come back home for Louisville and Virginia Tech and State. You get three in a row at home. You got to take yeah. care of business there, regardless of what happens in these two on the road. You go three and oh there, then you go to North Carolina to give yourself a chance to sweep. You know, why not? Um you know so i think we got some a little bit of favor in the back of the schedule especially after this road game i think you know we could really end february on a super high note um you know we'll we'll see what happens we'll kind of track that as it, as it plays out but uh i don't know anything else from you all or we'll we'll kind of go ahead and get out of here I feel like we've been going for like three hours yeah it's, yeah. Been, it's, been a, minute. <laughs> it's a rogan pod here it, it has been a minute um you know but it was a big win just we were there too. Yeah, it was fun to talk about it. it. Um, you know, it's hopefully it's not the highlight of the season, but it was definitely one of my highlights for sure. <laughs> just being in the building for that was just, you know, um, bucket list type stuff, but, uh, hopefully it spurs us, you know, we've, we've been playing better. Hopefully we can start to get some consistency out of it and, you know, why not? Let's go to zero this week, you know, why not? Um, but you know, in the meantime, you know, rate review, subscribe, email us at the at gmail. com. Find us on the boards at the dot com. Hopefully we'll get Watson or some of those guys back on shortly. Um, and haven't done a much recruiting stuff this year. We can talk a little bit about that, you know, coming up, but we've had our class locked up for forever now, it feels like for twenty three, so there's just not a whole lot of movement there. Um, you know, obviously I think we had one or two guys in attendance last night and you know, an announcement coming up soon. So maybe after that plays out we'll we'll kind of jump in and look ahead. But uh, you know, keep those faces strong in the verva, uh, go to Hell Carolina. Yeah.